episode three of the Geek Feed podcast. Today we're going to be breaking down the latest episode of Star Trek Discovery titled Through the Valley of Shadow. Let's get into it. I'm your host, Travis, and joining me again today is Richard. Uh, it, it is early morning again. Um, we're going to have to maybe switch to an afternoon so we're not so out of it in the morning, but... Yeah. Um, we did watch Discovery last night, and that's what we're going to be talking about today. But like we do each week, let's kick things off with news. So we already talked, I believe it was Tuesday, about stuff that was coming up this week. But let's just do a quick recap. Today, Shazam officially opens. Uh, you think you're going to go see that? Maybe. Maybe. I, I'd like to, if I can get the time to go do it. That's definitely one I want to go see. So I'm still going to see... Endgame, so, yeah, maybe. <laughs> well, there's room for both of them. I uh, also have on here that Netflix has got their you know shows coming and going, like we mentioned earlier in the week. If you want, you can see the full list at thegeekfeed.net. There's an article there with all the shows coming and going. Also, we talked briefly about the Twilight Zone that was rebooted. It came back out uh, this week. You said you had watched the first couple episodes and didn't really care for it? Yeah, yeah. Right. I, I watched the first episode uh, after our discussion, and I have to kind of agree it was kind of, kind of fell flat. Like, I didn't enjoy it. Like, it didn't make me want to watch another one. So, I might give a, another episode a shot, but as it is right now, it's definitely not something that's... Yeah. <laughs> not exciting me. Yeah. And then... Uh, we also, this week, got a trailer for the new Joker movie with Joaquin Phoenix. Did you see that trailer? Oh, no, I didn't. I saw an earlier Joker trailer that looked terrible. <laughs> this uh, just, I believe, dropped yesterday, maybe late the day before. And so we get to see... It looks like it's going to be definitely a more of a backstory type movie. Um, I don't think we're going to see any appearance by... Batman or anything like that, so... Oh, I hope not. Um, well, but, actually, a little bit of Batman would be okay. <laughs> yeah, who knows? Maybe it's going to be a cameo at the end or something. Um, but, I don't know. I, I think it looks good. I think it's like going to be something different. Um, there's going to be a lot of Joker stuff out here uh, in the next couple years, I think, so... Uh, but that's going to do it for the movies and TV shows that are coming out this week uh, or that we've seen you know, teased this week. I don't really have anything else in gaming. Nothing happened since the last time uh, we talked about it, but I do have some convention news. If you happen to be in the Dallas, North Texas area, uh, coming up in May, on May 3rd through the 5th at the K. Bailey Hutchinson Center down in Dallas, we have Dallas Fan Expo. And uh, just going to run through a list of some of the people that are going to be attending. We have Sean Astin, Michael J. Fox, Linda Carter, Zachary Levi, David Harbour, Rain Wilson, Pam Anderson, Kiefer Sutherland, Peter Mayhew, Corey Feldman, John Barrowman, Tom Welling, Michael Rosenbaum, uh, Carrie Payton, Ryan Hurst, Mike Coulter, Charlie Hunneman. Enough. Yeah, there's a lot. The list goes on and on. Um, there was a cancellation or a couple of cancellations. Jason Momoa and Rebecca both had to cancel their uh, appearances for other. I didn't 
think Michael J. Fox was still doing public appearance. Doesn't he have that shaking? He does, but uh, he's been to a couple of conventions locally, I think, uh, in the past. Uh, most recently, I think whenever Nike was doing the self-lacing shoes, uh, like you see in the Back to the Future, they right around that same time, I think he made an appearance. So uh, I don't think he does a lot, but it's a, a rare opportunity. They've got um, a whole Back to the Future panel. Uh, they've got you know Doc Brown and... You get, there's, I think, five or six of the, the actors that are going to be there from Back to the Future, so it's a big big deal at this one. Five or six? I only care about two. <laughs> well, other people care about the other the other cast members. Is that really true? I think it is. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to the audience. Yeah. The uh, if, if you're interested, though, you can still get tickets online. Uh, another convention that's coming up in Dallas area. This one's huge if you're into Harry Potter. It's a worldwide convention that travels around, and last year it was in Dallas. It was sold out. I believe they moved venues, and it sold out again. And so they made a rare double appearance. So it happened last year. This year it was supposed to be, I believe, in Boston. And so now they've added not only the one in Boston, but they've also added the one in Dallas again. So that one's August 9th through the 11th at the K. Bailey Hutchinson Center. They haven't got any guests or anything lined up yet, but the tickets are on sale right now. They're still available as of this morning, uh, but they did sell out last year, so if you're interested, you might want to go ahead and go get your tickets now. And that's all I have for news this week. Um, do you have anything? No. No. All right, then let's get into the main topic of the show, uh, Discovery Through the Valley of Shadow, and there are going to be spoilers. Black alert. Black alert. Okay, so before we start discussing, like we always do, thumbs up, thumbs down? Well, it was a little harder to tell. I did like the episode, but it was definitely slower than I was hoping for. Okay. I actually really thoroughly enjoyed this one. I don't know if I enjoyed it as much as um, some of the previous episodes, but it was definitely up there. And I think it has to do with the tie-in with Pike's history that we will talk about here in a little bit. So That was a lot of fun. Call it more fan service or whatever you want to do, but that's, I think, what made it more enjoyable for me. is, And it also seemed like it was tying a lot of the overarching storylines together. Like, it was starting to wrap things up, so I enjoyed it for that. Um, but if you want, we can start kind of just working our way through the episode. The first thing I have is that uh, it starts out the show with a new signal has appeared over the Klingon planet of Boreth. Is that right? Boreth? Boreth, I think. Yeah, so, and uh, Kaitlish Monastery is on Boreth, right? And so that's kind of why it's the focal point, and it's also where they keep the time crystals, right? I didn't know they kept time crystals anywhere. I thought they were... Well, I think they're naturally occurring. Maybe that's I had no like way that planet, because it looks like... Naturally later. occurring. As far as we knew, they were superior technology created by an advanced race. Now, all of a sudden, they're growing. I, that just kind of hit me. Um, it was very odd. I, very different. I wasn't expecting it. Yeah. I, uh, I didn't really care for it because... I, it kind of 
we talked a lot about where the crystals came from, if it was the same one Mud had, but now apparently there's caverns full of them, so... Well, yeah, what was that? Uh, I thought they had to be perfected by a fourth dimensional... Why did they even say fourth dimensional being? But who knows? Yeah. So I'm wondering, though, if the one that Mud had, or the one that, you know, uh, Dr. Burnham had, if did came. they see themselves in the future? Like, I don't know what the relationship was... With the crystal, like if they had any of these experiences like Pike does later in the episode. Well, Mud had a much, much smaller piece, so maybe it wasn't strong enough to do all that. I don't know, maybe it's the atmosphere also. Also, It's more like a spiritual journey, it seems like. Yes, well, when I first immediately saw the time crystal, I knew immediately what it was, and I hope you guys did too. And It looks exactly like the Bajoran orbs from Deep Space Nine. The twos of the prophets. That's what the Bajorans call them. Okay. See, I'm they, not familiar with that. They have the same properties. They look the same. They're, they are the same. They're the same thing. Like, it was okay. kind of nice to see that Deep Space Nine canon tie-in kind of thing. Yeah. I, like I've told you before, I think I'm going to have to go back and watch Deep Space Nine. That's not a show that I watched a lot of. I just never really connected to that show. Never, you know, really... Invested in watching that one. So in Deep Space Nine, the Bajoran... But they were... The time crystals were only controlled by this... Um, the prophets. These superior race that live in a wormhole. Hmm. Well, well, we'll get to more of that here in just a minute. Um, but we also find out that... Breath is the home of... Lorel's and Vox... Son, the baby that we saw, you know, that went into hiding, they put it on this planet. Yes. And, and uh, didn't Tyler say that he was also raised on that planet? He said he will be raised as a son of none, just like I was. Yeah, but I don't think it was necessarily that he was on that planet. I think he's just referring to that he's th- not got a family, like he, the son of none. Yeah, but I, the way they described it was that all the people on that planet were the son of none. Because they they take care of the time crystal. Yeah, I don't think that's possible because he, he doesn't know anything about the time crystals. If he was raised that way, he wouldn't. Yeah. Um, he, he would still be there. Uh, now, he could have lived on that planet, but I, I don't think that he had anything to do with the time crystals. Yeah. Um, but, but Tyler yeah. also gets a message that a Section 31 ship missed its check-in. I don't understand why that's a big thing. I I never I didn't think that was reason enough for Michael to leave the ship, and that's pr- pr- mostly why I didn't love this episode. It's because they just cast Michael aside. She should have been the one that went to the Klingon planet, not Pike. Even though I did like Pike's experience, uh, I had no idea really why Burnham left. To go check out, a, they, they they checked in ten minutes late. Uh, someone filming in here. Why, why was that such a big deal? Yeah, I think it was odd that they pointed out it was only ten minutes late. Like, like the ship was just captured by Leland. Why would it check in at all? But that's not the same ship. I don't think it's not. No, I don't think it was the same ship. It's. Uh, they just said Section 31 ship. Yeah. They just, why would they not specify that it was not the same Section 31 ship that we saw earlier? 
that's the only ship we've seen in the whole season. And it's not the ship they were talking about. Yeah, I I think that if uh I think they would have made a big deal about Leland's ship, you know, didn't report in. I, the fact that they just said a Section 31 ship didn't report in on time. It's just saying that, look, there's something, that, some anomaly, something that's, maybe they're like clockwork, like a train. Like, they're always on time. Like, they're never late. And the fact that they were late to check in is just some fluke or an anomaly that mm, says it, something's it, off. It still seems like a week. Week. I think story. it's kind of weak because of how much time. Now, if they said that they're four hours or, you know, a day or something like that, a little more time that, okay, something's happened, but in 10 minutes, it seems like over worrisome. But um, obviously, there was reason for them to worry because there was something wrong. Um, yeah, it was a trap. <laughs> but moving on from there, Pike is meeting with uh, Mother, aka Laurel. Like, where the heck did she come from? Well, they, they, it's not like the President of the United States can just come down and, and visit me and say hi whenever he, I, I want him to. He's busy. This is the mother the, of all Klingons now, and she just... I mean, they are at a... Takes personal calls anytime, personal visits whenever she wants, and no one, no one watches her, no one sees Tyler. I mean... Hmm. Well, I mean, I think she she took the meeting because of Tyler slash Vok being on the ship. But I didn't even know who she was at first. I I recognized the voice, but she looked completely different than the last time we saw her. She just had on a different outfit. Do you not change clothes? Different outfit, and it looked like different hair. <laughs> like Rich changed his his look. I I don't recognize him. He has hair. He has a different shirt on. Like, I, I mean, I don't know. Um, hmm. I think it's pretty clear or at least to me it was that that's who it was and she just had on a new outfit so um either way they call this meeting to discuss that this signal appeared you know it ties into the klingons because of it appearing above this planet and so she basically tells them that like it's not going to be safe for us to go they have a little argument about um vok can't be seen because they'll realize that she lied could put everything in jeopardy. So Pike says he'll go. And, um, like we were saying earlier, Saru, like it kind of cuts away in Saru. And they're, they're setting up Saru to be captain. Yeah. Uh, I think we had maybe talked about this before who would be captain when Pike's gone. And, and I'm glad of it. I like Saru, the new Saru. Um, it does look like they're setting up for him to be captain and that captain and that he's, He's different from the Saru we knew before, obviously. Like, he's more aggressive, more daring. But I don't know. I still don't know if I like... As much as I like Saru, I don't know if I like him as captain. Like, he doesn't... I don't know. He doesn't feel as captain-y. Like, we've seen him in too many other, like, lesser roles. Like, so as an audience, I don't know if... Every time we... Every time we walk in the bridge, he's in, like, that captain's chair... And then he gets up to let Pike sit down. He feels very captainy to me. I, I think he's going to be a great captain. Well, uh, I think someone put out a poll as to who they would like to see. And I think he's like 27% said they wanted Saru. And I don't know, like 40% or something like that said they wanted uh, a new unknown captain to come in. Um, so 
I don't know. Those were. Those are. I mean, I filled. think Tilly's off the, off the list now. We it's, they started the season with her in the captain's training program. We haven't seen that in a good while. We haven't seen her take any kind of authority or action or anything. I I don't think she has any hopes of being captain. Uh, I think I agree. I as much as I like Tilly, I don't know that they've played her more as the the relief, the common relief, relief yeah. as opposed to that's my favorite law of physics. Oh my god! <laughs> so Pike goes to the temple. Um, he's told that, you know, the crystals don't leave the temple, basically just get lost. And, uh, anyway, he finds out later that he, he tells him, look, I'm not leaving without this. And so he finds out that it's actually the Klingon he's talking to is, uh, Vok's son, but he's like full grown. Yeah. And so he's like, how did this happen? And we get revealed that. Time for the timekeepers is different. Like past, present, future is all equal. Like they can jump or phase through time. Like it doesn't. It was. It's like they're pulled out of time. They they grow and do things. They were showing a tree, like instantly grow and stuff like that. So. Um, yeah, definitely different than I was expecting. I don't recall seeing anything like this in Trek before, but I could be wrong. I mean, there's so much out there that. Well, the. The Bajoran people who watched over these time crystal um, tears of the prophets, we never really see what they do, but they're always meditating, just like the monks in this on this planet. Something similar. We didn't get to see it. We never saw that time tree growing or anything like that. But it was kind of close. Okay, like I said, I'm not familiar with that one, so I'll have to go back and check it out. Um, we also see that, you know, they, he keeps leading them on. They find these pillars with like a key. It's almost like a ready player one type, you know, they have the different jade key, the crystal key. Like they have these different pillars and he's talking about like a pillar for the past and the present. And I'm a little bit fuzzy on what he was saying there, but yes, he, he opens up the present, but it shows him the future. He said some very strange worded phrase about the present becoming the the future becoming the present and at that time something I forgot it was very confusing yeah but chances are that's going to lead to the ending of the season that probably plays in somehow well the vision that Pike sees when he grabs the crystal I mean he's warned that um, what he sees is for him alone but when he grabs that crystal he sees like a, a ship in distress and like what appears to be him getting radiation burns and then he it cuts to him seeing himself in the little robotic wheelchair thing like we see from the menagerie or from yeah, the cage. Uh, and so I I like that they kept the chair just because of the sixties look, but clearly they had better technology than that. Well yeah, I mean the whole show it's got modern stylings and modern... I mean, no one's going to want to watch cardboard and plywood set, you know, like in today's age. Of course, it looks updated and stylized, but the uh, I'm curious as if the story is going to match up exactly, since we do know this is a an alternate timeline. 
are things going to, like, there's still things matching up. Yeah. But are yeah. they going to be caused differently? Because uh, I believe in the original, he was on, like, a, a training vessel. I don't think he was actually on a... on a. You think Pike's going to go through that chair a little earlier than expected? Maybe. Like I said, I don't know. It depends, because we don't know what vessel he was on. In the original backstory, I think he was on a training vessel, and, like the baffle panel or something comes off and he gets radiation burns. And so that's how he ends up with the, uh, the wheelchair that he can, you know, what is it? Beep. Did they mention it in the menagerie? I just don't remember what they said. Yeah. I just don't know if this is still going to tie in or if something's going to happen with a different ship. We know Pike seems the only character that seems to have the same timeline. Everyone else is different. Yeah, and that's maybe there's certain threads that are always going to remain the same, but it might be tweaked when and how and stuff like that. So that kind of plays into the whole idea of destiny, which is kind of where they were going with a lot of this stuff. It's like this is all kind of already we already have our our roles to play. This is how it's going to be, and like we can't change it. Um, yeah. So let's talk a little bit about. Spock and Michael's half of the show. Okay. <laughs> well, can we first talk about them jumping out of warp? Every time, oh, hey, every time somebody jumps, that happens. Though, <laughs> okay, we got to talk about them jumping to warp, right? All right, all right. So they they get in the shuttle and they're going, and they uh, they go into the the. The second thirty-one ship. Yeah, so you're, you're okay. You're talking about when they come out of warp in the shuttle, not once the ship jumps to warp. You're talking about when they're yeah, Michael okay. and Spock. I got gotcha. you. Okay, ahead. they're heading to section thirty-one ship. They jump out of warp, and voila, they hit debris. Why is it every time they jump out of warp, they hit debris? I mean, debris hits the windshield. Yeah, those are bodies. Why do they always have to stop? Warp in the middle of a debris field. Wouldn't that be completely dangerous? I think the whole point is that they don't know that there's debris there. I mean, they wouldn't intentionally. They do can that. scan it's, light years ahead of where they are. I don't know why I, they I couldn't. Know that they can determine that there's bodies floating in space before they jump there. Okay, I mean, just like yeah, I know we're jumping shows here, but just like in Star Wars, I mean, when they jump to Alderaan and it's a debris field, it's like. Wait a minute, this isn't supposed to be here. This is supposed to be a planet. Just like okay. when they jump in this, like they don't know that that's going to be there. It's a surprise. There's Well, it's happened like three times this season. But that uh, was a little bit gruesome for, for Star Trek to see a sea of frozen corpses and then have one smash across the windshield. So, I, When I instantly saw them, I was like, why would you kill people when you can assimilate them? And then, as we turned out, that's what they did. Well, somewhat. But, yeah, we're getting ahead a little bit. So they do find a survivor in the the floating wreckage. And they beam him on board, and Burnham knows this guy, right? She said that they served on the Shinzo or something before. The only acknowledgement we get is we get a a shot of the faces when they're younger and... We can only assume that they're younger. And we can't really assume anything else from that shot. 
Yeah, but I thought she said that they, she told Spock that they... Yeah, yeah, they worked together before on some other ship. And so, I think she said his name was Gant, but um, they decide they need to go on board the now kind of dormant-looking 31 ship to try and figure out what's going on. And so, they beam on board, and then when they start powering everything up, or it powers up on its own, I guess, and they realize, wait a minute, I didn't do this. And then it warps away with them on board. See, the, the ship powers up by itself. That's because control is taken over. Yeah. But then how come when the... Later in the episode, when the... When the threat is not... It's subdued, you know, uh, the ship can't do anything. The control should still be in the ship. It's a... Artificial intelligence it can't it doesn't limit itself to just one body and yet that's what it seems like it did here at the end didn't it seem that weird to you? Well, they had devised the plan to section off or like set up the mouse trap. Yeah, right? but they so, never got up to that point. Yeah, they did. They nope. when Spock went away, he he set up this firewall and trapped it in there, and it scanned the ship and it said there's one other instance of this control entity or whatever programming. Okay. So control went in there knowing that it would be only have the one body left. Okay. Yeah. And so we do end up finding out that Gantt is actually been reconfigured, you know, from a human to now this new, I wouldn't even call it boring. I don't think it is a boring um, it's just a little too different. Yeah, there's a lot of similarities. There are some similarities. I don't know yeah. what we if if this is a precursor, completely unrelated. I mean, I think they even have a, a, a sentence in the previous episode that's almost like resistance is futile. They did, yeah, but I don't remember what the exact phrasing was. But there's a lot of stuff that pointed to like this is Borg, the nanites, stuff like that, but. It's not boring. Like it's 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 similar, different. yeah. Ma- so. m- similar, maybe precursor, like you said. Maybe they evolve into Borg, but they don't have the Borg mindset. Maybe be- maybe once it becomes fully conscious, it will become the Borg. Maybe, but, but maybe it never becomes fully conscious in the show, so that it ha- needs time. Yeah, and it, like I, I think I mentioned before, this could be that the sphere data had or the sphere had come across the Borg and had had that information stored within it and so maybe control is picking and choosing what it likes about it. I don't know. Um maybe we'll find out in future episodes. Um once Gant slash control knows that Burnham is on to the plan or whatever, what's happening, it like starts talking like the Borg. Like, it changes into that modular voice. Like, why is it doing that? Like, hmm, good point. And then this guy turns into, like... It was a pretty like, cool fight scene. Yeah, but it, it's very much, very reminiscent of Terminator. Like, just the holes that get blown open and then, like, heal back together. Like yeah. the liquid Terminator. Uh, I, I... So she keeps shooting, doesn't do any good, and then Spock tries to do a Vulcan nerve pinch on him, and I guess he breaks Spock's hand. M- Michael started shooting him, and he's 
started getting that holes and started blowing apart. I guess he couldn't heal fast enough because he, he decided to leave his body and just go nanoprobe style at Michael Burnham. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, maybe it was just easier. It turned into more like liquid with tentacles and stuff that were reaching out. Um, so, like I said, Spock looks like he has a broken hand. They've been shooting. Spock decides he's going to try and do something. We don't know what he's doing at first. Yeah. He's working at something. And then all of a sudden, as the liquid control thing tries to, to get her, like, right at the last second, it, like, freezes and, like, magnetizes to the floor. And Spock's like, yeah, I, I turned the floor into a an magnet. electromagnet, yeah. basically. Had to fine-tune the the... I don't know. Who knows? But why uh, did the, the um, control really want Burnham? Anyways, she he, he said that she was the be- best choice for it to get the sphere data. Yeah, that's but, the explanation it gives us that it was going to reconfigure her and make her go on board. And I don't know, trust people, trust her or something. I, I don't guess know that's it. That it, that was the best shot at getting the data. So I think there's something more to it. Um, I'm a little bit surprised that she didn't want to see where the ship was taking them. She's like, no, let's stop this stuff. Like, let's hmm. turn back now. Like, I don't want to see where it was taking us. So, um, they should be able to know where it was taking them. Yeah. You would think that they could look at the, well, I guess they know coordinates, but if they don't know what's at those coordinates, hmm. so, yeah. um, but moving on from that, we see, that Pike tells Ash and Laurel that he met their son. And they're like, what? How did you do this? Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, he's basically full grown. Here's this torchbearer pendant or whatever. Some little badge that uh, Ash had given or Valk had given him when he was a baby. Um, and then it f- finishes out the show with the crew all on the bridge. And they say that they've got... 30 section one or 30 section 31 ships converging on discovery. And then they said, Oh, we can't jump. They'll follow us. What does that mean? Well, I mean, we've seen in the past where section 31 has been able to like cloak and follow the ship. They can't jump 50,000 light years. I don't know. We still don't know all the technology that section 31 has. Um, I mean, Look at the way that Leland was able to cloak and jump away and not be traced. I mean, we don't know what all technology they have. So, But either way, they're converging, and Michael says, look, we're out of options. We can't run. We can't do this. We can't do that. Our best option is just to blow up the ship since we can't defeat. We can't delete the sphere data. Yeah, blow up the ship. So we're going to blow up the ship. Rather than jumping. But um, yeah, that's a better idea. <laughs> and so... I don't know. It seemed a little bit odd that that's what I, they... I don't even think blowing up the ship would destroy the sphere data. Sphere well, data has seemed determined to survive in one shape or another. Yeah, that's the thought that went through my head was like, okay, do they even know that if they blow up the ship, that's going to you know, eliminate it? I mean, if it had safeguards to protect itself. I mean, couldn't you just like reboot the system or something or destroy the system rather than destroying the whole ship? It's... They put all the data on a thumb drive and then smash it with <laughs> yeah, a rock. Like that. <laughs> they could do they could do that. 
Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It does look like at the end, of, like the way it closes out, that Pike is making an announcement to the crew that prepared to abandon ship. So, abandon ship with 30 ships out there who are trying to kill us all. Yeah, we're going to be in much better shape once we abandon the ship. He, he, he sent a message to Starfleet asking for help, saying, hey, well, there's going to be, we need rescue crews or whatever, but. I don't know what good that's going to Or we could do. just jump. Yeah. We could just jump to somebody else and they could help us rather than... Uh, I mean, this seems like a plot hole to me, honestly. Uh, I think it's purely for more excitement. I mean, it adds drama. Yeah, drama, just like the, the cafeteria drama we got. Fun stuff. Yeah, I think that was more towards uh, trying to show that there's obviously some issue but still between Stamets and the Doctor. I guess Stamets is going to be playing a critical role and his relationship Doctor is going to rely on that. Yeah. But uh, what is Jet? Is that the lady's name, Jet Reno? She is kind of rude to Stamets or, or like pressing against him because she needs him to help her with this you know, discovering what's going on with the time crystals. I saw her as a throw, throwaway character. I still don't know why the Red Angel introduced us to her. Yeah, I definitely don't really like her. She has a, a non-Trek vibe. Like, she doesn't seem like Starfleet. But um, we do see, like, a different side of her where she goes to the doctor and for, like, a hangnail or something is like, look, they start reminiscing about their their spouses or whatever and, like, wedding planning, stuff like that. And kind of convinces the doctor, like, look, You've been given a second chance. I don't have a second chance. You better use it kind of thing. And so maybe that's going to be the thing that pushes the Doctor and Stamets to get back together later. So The only thing this scene did for me was it let me know that weeks had passed since the last episode. Yeah, it does imply that there's been a time jump again. So, I mean, all this stuff can't happen day to yeah, day. Right. I mean, there's got to be some time, right? But if it's been weeks, then, I mean... Section 31 could have been doing anything at that point. Yeah. And maybe that was why they had the ability to already be taken over other ships and stuff. It was like there's been enough time to pass that Leland has done something or Control has done something to... Yeah. So. I think we're going to get into another Deep Space Nine kind of copy episode once we realize that anyone could be Control... Anyone could be shapeshifter, you know. Yeah, it makes it to where you can't trust anyone. Well, that's all I have for the show. Do you have anything else that you uh, wanted to bring up? Not that I can think of at the moment. Okay. Well, um, that's going to do it for this episode of The Geek Feed. Please check out our blog at thegeekfeed.net. Follow us on Instagram at thegeekfeed, all lowercase. And on Twitter at G33K underscore feed. That's the Geek Feed on Twitter. Maybe you have some comments or topic suggestions. Feel free to email us at show at thegeekfeed.net or give us a call at 213-536-1138. Till next time, live long and may the force be with you.